the Duolingo bird going to Bergheim. And it was mm. them going to a rave at Bergheim. <laughs> and I'm looking at this like, who approved this? Welcome to the Ecom Chats Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Mike Mortis, Director of Marketing at Finch. And I'm Nevin Zavell, e-commerce product specialist at Finch. And this is your e-commerce podcast to wind down the week, crack open a cold one, and talk some shop. This week, we've got a really special guest with us, one of our creative partners from Floxy, their CEO, Sam, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, yeah. Thank you, Mike. My name's Sam Ryan, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Floxy. Thank you, Mike and Nevin, for having me on. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Yeah, I think we wanted to jump in just to get to know Floxy a little bit. Can you take us through kind of how how did Floxy come to be, and uh, why does Floxy exist? Great question. So um, back in 2008, my brother George and I launched a company, Hatchwise. I did the coding and the development. He did more of the marketing side of things, but we both kind of did both sides of it. And it was a logo contest site. So basically, you could host a contest, get a bunch of designs come in, and pick your favorite one and give a prize to the winner. And that did really well throughout like five, six years. And then I went to school for computer science. And after graduating and continuing to work with Hatchwise, we saw a huge need for a bunch of different services, creative services and web development that Fiverr and all these other Upwork, Freelancer.com didn't quite fill because it was all inconsistent. You couldn't trust what was the deadlines. The price was all over the place. And we were like, okay, it's two th- it was in 2016. We were like, we need to create a better solution. So we came up with the idea of Floxy. And pretty much the idea is that you pay us one flat rate and we give you unlimited creative services, including web design and development. And yeah. we started off with just graphic design and web development. And we quickly scaled it up to copywriting, video editing, and all the different services that encompass marketing. And we really focused on making sure there was consistency, deadlines were met, the price was there, the affordability, and overall that like people could just come and trust that what they were getting, they would get back in time. When they asked for something, they would get back in time, and they knew exactly what they were spending. And it caught on in 2016 when we launched. It grew rapidly from there. And yeah, now we're here in 2023, and it's still going strong. I think the flat rate model is is so fascinating because a little bit of background. I originally come from creative agency background, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a little bit more of a traditional model where it's billing hourly designers, developers, you know, bringing people on file. So being able to push at a flat rate, I think that's a real game changer in the design mm-hmm. space because it's we're going to probably get to creative stagnation a little bit, but it does seem like an industry that has definitely stagnated as far as aggressive pricing models it's just picking your agency whichever one has the best hourly rate and then putting mm-hmm. a retainer together so how how do you pull off the the flat rate model is it just a larger team do, are you using more like a technology on the back end to try and make it happen yeah that was a, that's a great great question and i didn't mention that part about the launch of floxy we use technology to help leverage the whole flow to make it as easy as possible to get what you need. And when I say that, we basically have a custom platform that you can create all your different projects in, and there's a queue, and then we just work through those projects as fast as possible. And at the same time, you get a team that gets to know your brand, gets to know what your style is, what you like, gets to know you personally. And then there's a project manager who also is there to help work with the team and you kind of 
go over everything and make sure things are done correctly and on time. So the technology plays a large part. A lot of these agencies out there, they'll just even flat rate. We do have some competition out there, but they'll just connect, like, connect you in Slack or something like that. And it doesn't give you that ease of creating a whole backlog of work, having brand buckets where you can upload your clients' brands or your own different brands if you have multiple companies. And then we'll just work through those projects. And then we also have Zapier integrated, meaning that you can use Slack, you can use Trello, Monday.com. Monday.com is a big one that people have started using. And you can run all your projects through that platform without ever logging into Floxy after you like do the initial setup. I mean, that's, that's such a fascinating model. It really kind of seems like you you're pushing more design as a service. And I think mm -hmm. that is, I think that's definitely a really unique disruptor in the space, but no, it is definitely a very fascinating. I think that is something that, you know, obviously a partner Finch. Yeah. We use Floxy by the way, just to let the audience know, like full disclosure, we use Floxy for our marketing design. So as the director of marketing, you know, it's really easy, right? You just log into the dashboard, you put your prompt in kind of, uh, you can put in examples of what you might want and, and all of this stuff. And then you, you send it off and then it, you know, almost no time later it comes back and you can do this over and over and over again. And you can iterate on the same design, ask for new designs over and over. And, and not to sound too salesy here, but like, I mean, I've seen the quality of content that comes out and it's great. I've done some like, kind of more side hustle brands of trying to, you know, leverage things like Fiverr, trying to leverage things like AI generative image to, to try and create creative mm -hmm. in it. Like the stuff that I've come out of Floxy seems a lot more like something that would come out of like a full scope, like hourly retainer creative agency. But again, coming at this more flat rate as a service model. So I think personally, partnerships, I think it's a really, really cool and disruptive service. So Def was super excited when I heard that you were coming on to kind of pick your brain because we're coming off of an episode that we just recorded last week, which should be up. Well, looking at some of the trends that we were starting to see in e-commerce in 2024, and it's that time of year where all the reports are coming in, the sort of state of the unions for marketing and advertising. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that was called out, I think it was the second bullet point down on uh, Accenture's report, was that it really is starting to feel a lot more and more that we're entering sort of a creative stagnation. And that's mm -hmm. both in, in overall media, but also in digital ads. Banner burning is becoming a lot quicker. There's not a lot of gas left in the tank as far as trying to bring in creative. So I think this is like a perfect question to kind of ask you is with you and with your design team, what in your opinion makes creative pop? What in your opinion is sort of the X factor that you think separates like good creative from the rest? That's a great question. And you're totally right. It does feel like we're going into that area of like stagnation where things aren't like you can pretty much go in Canva, go in Figma and create designs instantly and template. They all, they all look kind of the same. And it's really easy to do where before you had to go into like Adobe Photoshop, you'd have to have like almost a degree in that to use it. And it'd take a lot of work to make a good design. So everything, it kind of got more where anybody can do create nice designs basically. So where we come in and what we do differently is we try to make your company stand out. And when I say that is every industry has a different style. If you think of like maybe breweries or e-commerce or they all have like a style or a way of like presenting themselves. And we try making it different, whether it's maybe the industry uses a lot of, let's say, designs. And it's like, no, let's create some videos. Or a good example is with our latest round of videos, 
we noticed that everybody was kind of doing the same type of testimonial type videos across the board, all of our competitors and stuff. So we were like, okay, what can we do differently? So we created like this animated, you should check it out, but it's very much an animated video where it's our clients talking about how they like us, but it's like superhero type comic-y, like the theme of it is. And we got the most interaction, like we had the most likes, the most engagement, people like coming in saying, this is great. But it was goofy. And if you like, thought like if you were just a professional or a CEO or something, you'd be like, wait, we don't want that attached to our brand. Maybe it's a little too goofy or maybe it's a little too out there. But I think that's important. I think getting out there and being different makes you pop. And you want to do that in a way that doesn't seem cliche or like you're just doing whatever everybody else is doing. But at the same time, it's coming up with those new ideas and staying ahead of where everybody else is at. Well, Sam, what do you need from me to get a Finch video like that? Do you just need the testimonials? Because I can send those over. <laughs> Mike just wants to look like a superhero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we can definitely do that, actually. If you send it over, we can create a video like that for you guys. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. I'm doing oh, that. Oh, man. Make sure you get my good side. <laughs> I, I really want to kind of underline that point because one of the big things that we've been talking about lately, <laughs> and I think your example really underlines that, is that brands need to start getting cozier with risk, particularly mm-hmm. with creative. Because it is very, very easy to take a very sterile, market-tested, like focus-tested approach to brand guidelines and, and to creative strategy. Mm. But some of the big examples, I'm a huge fan of Riot Games and what they've been doing to make these. I don't know if you follow any of the virtual bands that they've built to try and generate buzz, but I tend to gravitate and love to kind of study brands that are taking mm-hmm. big risks. And it sounds like that's very kind of baked into kind of the Floxy ethos of taking risks and say pushing back when it's like this is something that doesn't necessarily fit it's not necessarily as sterile it's not necessarily as controlled as we want but kind of introducing a little bit of chaos into the mix and trying to put something out there that might be a little bit different might be a little bit outside of the normal scope but at the same time is able to kind of pay those dividends to really pop and stand out from the crowd it is really built in right because like why not try a bunch of different things? You can pay the same rate for a month worth of creative regardless on Floxy. You might as well try a bunch of things because if it doesn't work or you don't like it or you don't like the market feedback, you can pivot very quickly, right? And and go back to maybe reel it in. Maybe we went too far. Maybe it's too. Maybe that's a little too on, out there and we need to reel it in just a little bit. But it's not a whole different charge to like backtrack a little bit with Floxy because of it because of the flat rate, right? Yes, correct. And so that is where we come in. You can try a ton of different things and you can pump, we can pump out different designs, different styles and kind of give you a direction. So with Floxy, what I've made sure everybody on the team does is I make sure that like they're giving work back that's quick, that's quality, that pops somehow and that's creative. And then they also have like the communication. And so if you can get all that in a team, you can really try a bunch of different things. And you can just say, okay, let's go down this path. If it doesn't work, pivot. And I would suggest just trying as much as possible. And then when something does work, doubling down on that mm-hmm. and moving ahead with that until finally it gets kind of worn out like all marketing does. And then do the same thing again. But it's about taking that risk. And 
It's about actually like seeing the future a little bit. The best leaders can kind of see ahead and see where things are going to go. And for example, with Floxy, we also, along with the ads and everything, we redesigned the whole website. And I'm not sure if you guys got a chance to look at that, but the whole website was redesigned and we saw the engagement, every metric like skyrocketed after launching that a few weeks ago. But like we took a couple of big risks with that. And one of the main ones was we put thumbnails on all the videos. And if you go to Floxy, you'll see like there's a thumbnail and it looks kind of like you guys know who Mr. Beast is on YouTube. Yep. Like yeah. it's kind of going down that path. And we're like, okay, we're going in a direction that, like, my generation is getting older and we have the Gen Z coming in. And what does Gen Z think about? Gen Z is way more focused on quick. They're focused on things that grab their attention and they're focused on videos. So how can we leverage that? And so we've been kind of pivoting over to the videos more and making it so those videos pop. They're not long testimonials. It's more short clips where people describe exactly what you're looking for. The clips are geared towards a certain audience. But that's us kind of looking into the future being like, okay, where's it going? And we do that with our clients too. We help them kind of predict where things are going. Hey, I think you should get more videos going with your campaigns or whatever it is that they need to kind of stay up to date with the competition. And I think that's so important because right now you are definitely seeing kind of a, I don't know whether it's like a major thing to be concerned about society wise, but it does feel like we are entering an era where attention spans are getting shorter and shorter mm -hmm. and shorter. I'm self-admittedly addicted to TikTok. Mm -hmm. And when scrolling through, you have milliseconds yeah. to grab that attention. It used to be that you had like maybe a second or two. It is now down to like tenths of a second to mm -hmm. capture someone's attention. So investing in thumbnails and trying to again kind of emulate it's, it feels like you have to kind of dance a fine balance of emulating things like almost like the mr b style which is you know become like mm -hmm. the very almost infamous style of mm -hmm. thumbnail design on youtube while at the same time keeping something that is unique and attached to it or mm. taking something that is familiar but putting it in a situation where it might be a little bit more unfamiliar like seeing like a mr b style a surprised face behind you know a couple different images thumbnail style for a b2b SaaS platform mm -hmm. is not necessarily what i would have in mind but i can guarantee you something like that would absolutely be grabbing my attention mm -hmm. within the first five seconds i am a kind of a <clears throat> a weird example guy of the podcast. So I'll give you one example. When I was in college, one of my favorite professors in marketing, he had this thing that he made us all do. He called it the taco for producing ideas. And what it was, it was just a flip book. Mm -hmm. And all it would do is you'd take a bunch of, you'd get like a hundred pack of index cards and you would just write down random ideas that could be nouns or adjectives or just ideas like Roman empire or like, just like random stuff, just ideas, mm -hmm. right? And you'd put, you just fill your binder up. You just fill it up. And then you would have an ad like campaign that you needed to come up with. And the way you did it was you would flip it open to two random pages and you'd have to mix those two ideas together to create something fresh and new. And his idea here around that was very much new ideas are so novel and unique nowadays. Like everything's been done. Everything's been tried. Mm -hmm. So the way to create new stuff that's going to surprise people now is give them something they're not expecting, right? Combining two things they're not expecting to be combined to mm -hmm. produce something that's unique is really how to grab attention. And this was back in, you know, 2008, but it's still this idea mm -hmm. of creating like brand new, fresh ideas are really difficult to come by. But if you take that angle of it, of like, how can I be surprising instead of brand new? Right. And I think Floxy really enables that and it, it enables you to try it, right. At least 
give it a shot, right? And then you can pivot quickly if it doesn't work, which is very mm. cool. Yeah, I, and I love that because that's basically like nothing new is under the sun and everything is just turning it around somehow and using it in a different way. And what Nevin was kind of saying with what we did with the video, like that can be across any industry. It's about making something, maybe another industry uses it a lot, but it's taking that and putting it into your own industry or trying to figure out how to customize something that a lot of people are using, but your specific industry isn't and saying, okay, this makes us pop somehow. And like there are two different ways of doing it. One is stealing from a different industry. The other is coming up with a new like idea, just things combined together. And taking it from different industries, I think is an easier approach where you're like, okay, these industries are successful with it. Maybe it's B2C or something. We're going to try implementing it with B2B and then go from there. And even with B2B, if you think about it, everything is B2C. When you sell to a business, that business has people behind it. And there's a person that's making that choice. And that's what we believe at Floxy is we're not actually selling to businesses. We're selling to somebody that's making a decision. So we're actually selling to a customer, to a person, and that audience is getting younger and younger. So as you think about your the next decade, if you're running a business, you just have to be ready for this next generation to be completely different from where you're at. And that might be hiring a younger team, using Floxy, who keeps up to date with all the technology, something that makes you stand out. But if you don't, what's going to happen is you'll be left behind. And you'll be that older company that just doesn't have any updated materials. You don't understand the new audience. And then you'll be kind of at a, you won't be in a good place. I think that is such, a, I love the mindset because at the end of the day, it really is, we say this a lot on the pod, but it is people helping people. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, I love that mentality of we're not selling businesses, we're selling to consumers because I think that is something that often gets forgotten in today's marketing landscape. And it's something that I think is so important to make that personal touch, especially in advertising, especially in B2B sales where things can be massive, big ticket items and really trying to forge that personal connection. I think that is a fantastic mindset to be bringing in. And I just want to also kind of piggyback on one of the topics that you're bringing in earlier is that like right now you're absolutely correct. It is very, very hard to make a completely new idea under the sun. But I would say that the flip side, kind of the inverse of that is that there is so many different components. I guess if you want to like think of like creative strategy or as almost like prefabricated components, there are so many different levers to pull that you can shuffle, combine, and recreate into something that is something new out there. And I think that that's been something really important. Like the one I go back to who I continuously think are kind of like some of the greatest in the field, Riot Games, with you know a lot of the more intricate campaigns that they use for advertising their esports and their in-game events, um, I think is fantastic. But it really does come to a point of like the days of just making a pretty banner it really does feel like they're behind us, right? Like as easy as it was back in the day, you know, even, I mean, we were starting to get out of these waters back when I was leaving the agency world in like pandemic era, but it does feel like you need to take risks and you need to really be creative in order to find something that's able to resonate. And I think a lot of that comes from a place of empathy and being really able to form that personal connection with your users. So as, as far as that goes, I'd love to kind of get into the process a little bit there of how you make that function. Obviously, it can be very, very tough as an agency that can be multiple steps removed from the end customer. 
So what is your process in really kind of getting to know not just the the client that you're you're working with, but really trying to get to know their customers? And mm-hmm. how does that process really work on your end? And how do you really kind of scale that more personal connection to the end user? That's a great question. So in the beginning, when we launched Floxy, we didn't have any like initial phone calls from the project manager. People would sign up, they'd use the platform, and there were no like actual like video calls or anything like that. And it was about two years in, and I was talking to somebody, a friend, and I was kind of going over like, yeah, we don't do this. And he worked at another big company, and he was like, so why not? And I was like, because like I don't know if, if I sign up to something, I don't want to jump on a phone call. And then like, he's, he was like, well, a lot of people do. I was like, oh, that's that's a good point. And so then I was like, let's just test it out. So we began just kind of like saying, hey, you can jump on a phone call as soon as you sign up. And we saw more and more people do that. And then we saw, oh, if they jump on a phone call, they last longer with us. So then we began not pushing them into it, but definitely encouraging them if they had any issues or anything like that. So the initial phone call kind of helps with that. We also do demos in the beginning, which a lot of the clients have. So they feel connected right away with a video demo where they're seeing somebody from our sales team talk to them. Then they sign up, they get to know their project manager, get a call, and then the whole team gets to know them and their clients. And every single one of our team members loves the client they're working with, and they like working with that client or with the client's clients if it's an agency. And they get to know everything there. They'll be good morning, hey, how's it going, in the project threads. And then the last thing we do is we integrated Loom into our system. And we saw that helped a lot. So what we did is we made it easy to just not only say if you were happy, but if you were upset, it helps a lot to hear their voice, hear what they're thinking. When you write a message, it sometimes comes out the wrong way. So we saw a lot of times somebody be like, really, it sounded like they were really upset. And we'd be like, okay, they must be upset. But when we saw the video, it'd be like, they're not upset. That's just their personality. (laughs) And what we told the team is, hey, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Number one, these are people on the other end. They might be having a bad day. They might not be doing great. Your job is to make their day better. And your job is to also make sure you don't take anything personal. And it's amazing how many times, even if somebody is upset or rude or something happens, and the team member gets back, apologizes if something was wrong, or even if nothing was wrong, still apologizes for like that they're upset and there's empathy there. All of a sudden, everything just dies down. It's like, Okay, yeah, I wasn't. The, my client was really pushing me. I was stressed. I was really upset, and it's like it opens the floodgates a little bit. And then we see that builds a bond. And we did a recent round of case studies, which will be coming out on the Floxy website soon. And we got on the calls with dozens of people, and it was amazing because I was expecting them to be like, "Hey, the service is great," and everything. And not only did they think that, but they also new specific names of the team, the new specific, the project manager, most of the current reviews, if you go to like Trustpilot and stuff, they'll call out specific project. Like, I love this project manager. I love this person. I go back and forth. So I think a lot of it is just making sure the team has empathy at any level you're dealing with somebody and make sure that they understand that even if somebody's rude, even if somebody's upset, 99% of the people are just having a bad day or you're reading it wrong. So just have some empathy Put yourself in their shoes and get back in a nice, positive way. You are speaking my language, buddy. This is that good stuff. In the era of technology <laughs> and AI and 
and never talking to people if you don't mm -hmm. want to like what really makes your business go is always going to be what sam just talked about i mean that's really what it's always going to be about we've done episodes mm -hmm. in the past about customer retention and forming relationships this is what we're talking about i mean it's really as simple as having empathy mm -hmm. for the problems of the people you do business with and that's what he's talking about that's what we try to do here that's what we try to encourage our clients to do whenever they go to market with their products and running their campaigns and, and dealing with their customer service issues on that side. I mean, that's really what it's all about. And, and, and it's so refreshing to see mm -hmm. successful companies, companies being successful still on the back of those ethos instead of throwing them out the window in favor of automation, mm -hmm. robots, technology, AI, all this stuff. That, that stuff's all important and can help you run a very successful business. But I think if it's not also married to the ethos you just talked about, it's going to struggle. And customer experience and customer obsession really, mm -hmm. you know, has to really be at the core of any business like if you think about the brands that you find that are the most successful out there like the amazons of the world they are a hundred percent focused on customer obsession mm. first and in my opinion the hallmark of a good customer success operation is that when you're going in that you have like the same familiarity that you do with like your favorite like mechanic mm. or the regular waiter that mm. is that by name identification of mm. hey I'm not working with a massive company. I'm working with Ted or I'm working mm -hmm. with Frank. And that personal connection, it means that you are base, you're de-anonymizing, you're pulling back sort of the curtain of normally very nebulous organizations mm -hmm. like big businesses. And you are, you're genuinely establishing a link with that personal connection. And that's something that I know we, we've hammered home consistently here at mm -hmm. Finch. And I know it's something that we've been absolutely begging brands to really think about as far as changing the way that they interact and having the customer and having the end user be at the center of pretty much every single decision that gets made at that company. Just to jump in there quickly, because you mentioned Amazon and he, Jeff Bezos is, well, Elon Musk is my top inspiration, but Jeff Bezos <laughs> right under that. And when I started Floxy, I was like, okay, so what does Amazon do. I know they're completely different industries, but what is the core of what Amazon does? And it gives you a good price, it's fast, and it's quality. And I was like, I can take all that and move it over to Floxy. As long as somebody's getting something at a good price, it's fast, and it's quality, there's a lot of other things on top of that, but that's the core of what it is. And then after that, I was continuing to like update things. I was like, I need to add a fourth one in, communication. And that's when I kind of added the communication and I've told the whole team again and again, our business, as well as Finch's too, is built on the customer being successful. If the customer isn't successful, then we're not going to be successful. So it's in our best interest to help them grow. If they grow, they're going to help us grow. And so we want to make sure everybody feels as happy as possible and they can get as much as they can out of Floxy. That's that's a, a really good kind of bullet point to put at the end of that i think that it is an interdependent system right mm -hmm. and we all like a rising tide in that instance lifts all boats i would love to shift gears here to sort of talk about a little bit more into the future and kind of pick your brain a little bit on where do you see the next disruptions coming from the creative space because i know the most recent one that feels like it turned the industry upside down was short form, endless scrolling video content, the TikToks, the Instagram reels, YouTube shorts of the world. Those I've seen have had a massive impact on the way that we run our communications. As far as other things that you kind of see on the horizon, you know, if I'm trying to plan a creative strategy over the next year or so, 
what in your opinion is the most underrated form of content delivery? And what would I be looking for on sort of on the horizon as kind of the next big shakeup? So with the first one, video is going to be big. I know people have been saying video is big for a while and everything, but I think it's getting bigger and bigger. But when I say video, I think it's going to be as we go into like a decade and so or so the multiverse, it's going to be way more visual, everything you see. And there's also AR and everything. So that's going to be a big part of it too. AR with when you're walking around, like in the next year or two, I think focusing specifically on video and making the video say exactly what as concise as possible. Right now, a lot of people use videos, but it'll be a long form testimonial. It'll be uh, uh, explaining your process in 60 seconds. People don't have time for that anymore. You need to explain exactly what you want in 15 seconds, but it doesn't mean it has to be a 15 second video. It could be a three minute video that you take clips out and every 15 seconds there's something new. But it's really focusing on the short attention span. Those, the, like I said before, Gen Z is moving into positions of management, positions of power, and they'll be making the decisions and they do have a different mentality than we do. They do have a different way of viewing things and everything. And especially when you see places like TikTok and YouTube and everything, people, will want to see your ad it, and it also depends on what industry you're in but across the board people are going to want to see exactly what you have to say quickly as they're scrolling up and it has to be like two seconds that catches them and so i think it's about being video concise and quality like presenting like something there that connects with them i i remember it was when it was growing up it always felt like you had wanted to have like the lead up to the punchline and mm -hmm. now like the biggest shift that i have seen is it is move the punchline first, move that payload and front load it. You know, I think the biggest example of this that I, I saw, and this was something that like was really, really jarring when I first saw it. And this is, this is years ago. Um, but was when they started doing the pre-trailer for a movie trailer in the beginning of like a YouTube ad. Mm -hmm. So it used to be that, you know, you would have like the whole trailer for a movie. You would have like, the, the lead-ins with like the title screens like the different mm. producer cars <laughs> yeah like the inner world now it is the biggest explosion and the biggest scene from that trailer mm -hmm. and then it's like a three two one to make sure that you're hooked and then they'll roll the trailer i think this is something that especially for possibly a little bit more kind of old school brands need to start thinking about is that creative strategy does need to shift now to payload first content and you know i had a whole segment in here that i, oh, I hope to still talk about about kind of experimentation and kind of cadence if we're doing one major takeaway from this is that as far as creative strategy goes it is to really be concise and to not beat around the bush when you're trying to get to your point is to give the pitch to give kind mm -hmm. of the the meat and potatoes up front kind of dessert before dinner i guess a dessert <laughs> before dinner approach is just to to put the sweets up front to get people to stay in and to try and to capture that attention span. Yeah, exactly. So the last, I think just to kind of put a bow on things and mm -hmm. to kind of lead out a little bit would be to kind of talk about cadence. And this is something mm -hmm. that is a topic that I know is a lot of arguments on cadence and creative refreshes. And this is something that I think is because obviously there's no set formula mm -hmm. for a creative refresh. But as a rule of thumb, you know, I can kind of chime in as far as like the data perspective and like what leading indicators to look for. In your mind, 
what do you think facilitates a creative refresh? Is it just a consistent, like always be building new creative, always be, always be iterating, always be testing, or is it more in your opinion of a put a flight out there, let it sit, watch for burn in and then have a second set of creatives ready to deploy. What is your approach you think for as a brand to be managing their creative refresh cycle and to be managing the updating and continuous evolution of their messaging? That's a great question. So with what we do at Floxy and what we tell our clients to do too is we usually update ours on an ongoing basis and we kind of have themes. So, well, like, like I said, we got kind of into like the superhero comic type thing recently and we're trying that out. We'll have just steady flow of like ads that people can see that are just traditional video testimonials and stuff. And we'll update those on a regular basis and we'll turn off ones that are performing. And it's kind of an ongoing thing where every few weeks we're adding something new, testing it. But outside of that, we also try brand new things that like are that different. And if that catches, we kind of pivot the whole campaign into that direction. So for example, we saw that people like the whole like superhero type thing. So the newest thing that we're doing is we're doing like a bunch of comics and they're actually pretty cool, but the videos of us, like the Floxy bird, like fighting and stuff like that. So we're kind of going down that path to kind of see what happens, keeping some of our traditional stuff going alongside of it. But then we kind of pivot whatever direction's working. And then there'll be every like year or so, we'll completely like kind of change the direction depending on what is popular, what like what's working. I think that's a really, really good approach. And I will say you can find it so surprising what actually catches on mm-hmm. because it is almost never the thing that you expect. A lot of times coming out with different marketing materials and I'm looking at this thing thinking this is going to be the most cringe thing that I've ever put out. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that it's actual fire. Like people, (laughs) people love it. Like I remember seeing Duolingo did an ad campaign on TikTok that still like lives in my head rent free. It was actually, it was the Duolingo bird going to Bergheim. It was to, it was for uh, like their German client and it was Mm. them going to a rave at Bergheim. (laughs) And I'm looking at this, like who approved this? Mm -hmm. Who thought turns out I'm looking at the impression numbers. I'm looking at the like numbers. It is one of the biggest Mm. things and it went viral. So it is like, absolutely is continuously be testing and continue. Don't be afraid to pivot into something that's popping off just because it's a little bit Mm. weird. I was just going to say along those lines, so that's something that I missed. And this is probably where Finch and Floxy comes in. But I, like, when that ad came to my desk, I almost didn't approve it. But the person, like, that was working on it, they they were, like, they really thought it was great. And I was like, okay, let's put it out there and see what happens. But... I probably would have thought, okay, that seems a little too out there. So I think it's important that if you do own a company, to have those different voices, to have those different opinions coming in. And with Floxy, you get a whole team of creatives. With Finch, you get a whole team of marketers who can like have different ideas. And it's great when you're bootstrapping and everything, but as soon as you can afford to those different voices, it's not just about the output. It's also about having different people in your business. And I tell the whole team at Floxy, I'm like, you have to picture... These are people that are hiring us instead of hiring a workforce. And so they want this team of people that they can feel like this is my little business. Like I log on, I get to say hi to you guys. You guys come up with ideas. I go to Finch. I get to talk to you. You guys know who I am. And so that's where us as Floxy or Finch has to like understand where the client's coming from. And that's where that whole personal like uh, communication comes into play. 
100% backing you on there. I will be continuously beating the like the DEI drum until you know the day I pass <laughs> because it is it is so important. I think I think having a diversity of voices and having a diversity of viewpoints within, mm-hmm. especially on a creative team, because when you're looking at like advertising data, data can be data and it can get very very bland, you know, as far mm-hmm. as like bids and stuff like that. But especially when it comes to creative is to have a diverse set of voices with and different viewpoints to bring up. Cause that is where you find some pretty off the wall ideas. And those off the wall ideas are always going to have a better chance of finding wild success than the, like something sterile created in a focus group. And that's something that I think is a great way to put a bow on things is that continuously evolve and don't be afraid to take risks. And if you are looking for a fantastic flat rate design as a service creative team, I think you got a winner here. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I think we partnered with the right people. And Sam, it's been absolutely awesome having you on. Thanks for coming on. We'd we'd have you again if you want to send George our way with his great, great beard. We'd have him as well. But yeah, it's been awesome. And Nevin, you haven't met George. He's got just an impeccable beard. It's it's incredible. Oh, I'm so excited. Trying to get like him. <laughs> but yeah, thank you, Sam. It was great being on here. Um, I really enjoyed it. You two are very knowledgeable when it comes to this whole uh, space of creatives and marketing and everything. So this was a great conversation. And I'll definitely be back. And I know George would love to be on here too. He's definitely even more so marketing than I am. That's kind of his whole thing. So he probably would have a whole different take on how things are done too. Awesome. Well, we'll hold him to it. Shout out to the Weekenders. If you made it this far, you're a Weekender and we love you to death. Available wherever you get your podcast. Visit finch.com forward slash podcast for more content. Engage with us on Twitter slash X at Finch underscore PPC. Facebook, Finch.ecommerce and LinkedIn. Until next time, I'm Mike Martis. And I'm Nevin Zavell. And we'll catch you next Friday. See you guys.